G'day and welcome to Green and Gold Rugby, the podcast that's a little less wrong each week. I'm your host, Matt Rowley, and today, again, we're sponsored by Sportpool.com, where you can go to find your talent, either as a player looking for a breakthrough or as a club that's looking for your next signing. We've got our five burning questions this week. Number one, that Zass sort of challenge on Bernard Foley resulting in a red card. Uh, was it or should it have been? Uh, the second one is, can the Reds survive without Samu Karevi? We're going to talk through that one. Then we're going to go for our what's become a regular feature down to Canberra to see just what the hell is going on, having a chat with Blocker Dutton. And that's going to move us into talking about sort of uh, coaching uh, throughout the provinces and how we might see some shuffles that's happening. We're going to touch on defence. What the hell has been going on um, across the Aussie teams? Last weekend was an absolute shocker. And we're going to finish off talking about one of the hot topics, actually, from the Green and Gold Rugby forums, which is just who the hell should be the lock pairing for the Wallabies from now. So anyway, uh, Reg, how are you, mate? Going well, mate. Uh, good to be back. Second Reds victory of the season. Feels like we should have more Reds people on the podcast, don't you think? Well, it, it does indeed. And we've got a special uh, surprise in store for a lot of people, actually. But um, before that, mate, I, I just am a bit concerned. You, you know, you, I like the way you've come out full of energy here. You've got, <laughs> um, you're obviously standing up at the microphone in your studio there. But, um, you know, there wasn't so much energy in the thread just now when we're organising this. Big weekend, was it? Oh, it's just, you know, long weekend. <laughs> you know how it is. It just means more time you have to spend doing jobs. Well, because you bloody Queenslanders, isn't this like the fifth long weekend you've had in a row or something? <laughs> yeah, we're very smart with our planning. We like to do them back to back to back and then for the back half of the year not have any holidays at all. Okay, right. So you, you're it's kind basically... of like the whole daylight saving thing. <laughs> so that's what you've got to. You kind of can't be bothered going to work. So you, you, you kind of can't be bothered, you know, probably washing anymore. <laughs> we on, I could hear your stubble earlier on when you were, you know, and, and now you can't be bothered to do the podcast. It's just like... <laughs> exactly okay, right. It all just comes well, to the You know, so. it's Labor Day. It's the day we, you know, we, we thank all our hard workers and having, by having another day off. <laughs> hard workers south of the border. Exactly. Uh, um, all right. So, look, we, we alluded to it. We had a lot of demands out there um, for to, to bring this guy back on. He's not easy to get hold of. Uh, it's taken us a while to save up his appearance fee as well. It's none other than Timsy, mate. How are you? Good. How are you going? I'm very well, mate. I'm not going to lie. When yeah. I said to the missus that you guys wrote me into this, she said, are you that hard up for a reason to drink? I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> so, mate, what's been happening in intervening years? Um, <laughs> Just... Bring us up to speed with the last three years of a lot. Uh, you know, through through social media, which you seem to be half on, half off. It's a bit like you know when Forrest Gump goes off running across America uh, for a couple of years. It looks like you've been doing that. Is that far yeah, off? Yeah, I've done a couple of a uh, couple of things. I've done some tries and bought a couple of pushies and done some riding and did a, I've done a shitload of work and uh, yeah, just uh, focused on myself for a while. <laughs> Yeah, a bit of me time. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I also I also have a seventeen year old daughter and a thirteen year old daughter, and they keep me busy. So there's one other too, but just, yeah, you know, just can't keep... scare me. I have daughters. Okay. <laughs> Keeping the shotgun. Uh, yeah, that's polished it, and loaded. Kind of keeps you busy there. I forgot Very that busy. We, I forgot that we had to have that explicit mark for these podcasts automatically when we had Timothy on. <laughs> I, but I haven't sworn yet. What are you? Yes, you about? have. <laughs> <laughs> not in Timsy. It's not, if it's not a C bomb, it's not a play yes. word, mate. Um, okay, well, look, let's 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 get into it. So the big questions number one is going to be that Zass red card. So we put it out on Twitter actually, um, and we asked the question. We got ninety-two votes on it on a Twitter vote. Um, as far as was that a fair income red card or not? Fifty-three percent saying yes, forty-seven percent saying no. I was really surprised 
how this split the audience down the middle, yeah. actually. Um, yeah, Reg? It's, it's absolutely clear. It should have been a red card. Yeah, well, I mean... So... That, that's, that's punishment enough. I don't think he should do any more time, but that, that is, you know, we all slip over, but you've got to take a bit of care, and you're playing with people's lives, so... Mm-hmm. So, so you think it was a total accident, accident Timsy? It was an accident, but right. you've got to take a bit of care. So he's had his card, he's had his time off, That's yeah. his team's paid for it, mm-hmm. no more suspension, that's done, it's on his record, that's enough. Okay, so you, you reckon he shouldn't have got the two weeks? No. Okay. Um, Reg, where, where, where do you come down on the whole thing? Mate, I must admit, the first time I saw Not it, I thought, oh. head like Foley, or? <laughs> the first, <laughs> first time I saw it, um, I thought solely a yellow card. I thought the red card was unfair, but then I think that was on the highlights. But then when I sat down to watch the replay of the game, yeah, pretty clear a red card for mine. Mm. Um, you know, I just never even thought there was intent to go for the ball. It's like he... I know they're saying he slipped and all that sort of stuff, but he, he never even got off the air. It didn't even look like getting off the air. Mm. Um, so, yeah, just lazy, uh, lazy work from, from Zass. And, and as to the suspension, I don't know, is it automatic you get a red card, you should get a suspension? In the end, he served, what was it, 20 minutes? I think he probably deserves uh, a little bit more time than that. So, yeah. I, two, I, two weeks sense, right? Considering, what was it, Jason Emery got four weeks for his, and he was probably... Uh, just as reckless, but uh, probably a little bit more intentional. So two weeks, is, I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah, I've, I've forgotten the rules, but is it an automatic suspension or just have know. to front, front, uh, front the judiciary? Mate, I don't know. That's, that's the expert opinion we've got you on to tell us about. Right, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, uh, he should have showed up for his day in court, and yeah, that would have been right. I mean, if he had a yellow card, then two weeks for sure, but uh, heat of the moment, things yeah. fell over. Well, it probably so, was the difference in the game. I mean, you know, the Tars only just got over the line um, at the very end there. Look, the, well, they were down for, by two points at the time. I think it's absolutely a a, yeah. um, a turning point. But I think we all agree it was a, a red card anyway. So it's yeah. more the suspension afterwards. Well, look, I just want to get into the... Uh, the well, I guess I want to be a bit vindictive about it, which is just, you know, how much of an accident it was. So um, Barbara and I have had a bit of a set to about it, both on Twitter and then on the Facebook Live thing we did last night. And by the way, if you don't know, we're, we're, I'm giving that a plug. We're, we're giving the Facebook Live a, a go. Check us out on the Facebook page. Um, we also put an excerpt from it. But we had a big old ding-dong about it. Barbar's thing is that it was a slip. It was purely accidental, very harsh. Um, my thing was I, I'm, not com- I'm not completely sure that was 100%, you know, the guy was going to, as you said, Reg, I don't think he was in the right position ever to get up for that ball. I think he'd overrun it by about a metre or two. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think rather than a slip, I think that was more of a slide. You know what I mean? It was kind of like, oh, shit, I better get myself, you know, underneath the, you know, um, underneath a little bit. Um, and mm-hmm. so it was more like he kind of leant back too far, and that's when he lost the footing. I don't think he looked yeah, like he was getting up to challenge. I read an article by South African. It was definitely a slip. <laughs> Fair enough, then. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, was, there was no question. Slipped over, yeah. Um, so look, as we go, we've actually swapped some things with um, Timsey. As you can, it's been so long since he's been on that he's not sure if his headset's working, um, <laughs> and so we're just swapping messages about that. I, I said that he's a little bit fuzzy, and he said he hasn't shaved either. Boom! boom. I think, um, I think he's using a can with a piece of string. That's what it's sounding like. How's that from Queensland? It's getting wonderful. Yeah, it's getting a bit better. Um, so, and my big thing when I got on my rant about it was just, I think this is the tactic that's kind of taken Izzy out of 15, actually. Um, ah, right. You know, there was a bunch of, we saw when he came onto the scene around the Lions and he completely revolutionised, he took away the kicking game for the Lions, if you yep. remember. And so, and it took everyone about 15 months to figure it out. And then they realised, well, look, if I have a guy running backwards, as long as he's looking in the direction of the ball, doesn't have to get his timing right. He can just run underneath it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Brian Habana style. Exactly. And that's what they've been doing. Um, I think, you know, um, Smith for the uh, for the All Blacks does the same thing. And I think we all saw in the World Cup, Izzy just wasn't on his game, right? He ended up stuffing his, um, his uh, ankle uh, as well. So uh, anyway, I think this is a deliberate tactic. And I think uh, that's probably why we're seeing Izzy in 13, as I said to Barber, you know, and if, you, yeah, if you're going to be forcing Izzy to do that, that's just un-Australian. Um, so he needs to have a you know wake up to himself. So you got new headphones in. Let, let's see, Timsy go. It's not new. I just took the fluffy bit off the end. 
and you sound absolutely perfect. Beautiful. <laughs> okay. No more fluffy bits. Okay, there we go. Um, we'll like, expect an invoice for $150 for that hour's work too. Yeah. <laughs> the hardware. Um, so, but, so there you go. So there you go. 47% of you, I don't know what you're talking about. I've heard That's all bizarre. Sorts of, I know, mate, but it's all over the place. People are going, oh, this is crazy. Um, he, he was competing. He just You just look at the Facebook comments. No. Yeah, okay. I'll have to go because that just shocks the world out of me. That's bizarre. Yeah, no. But, so loads of people are saying the fact that he was stood under Foley is competing for the ball. When oh. you know, Clearly it isn't. The one interesting thing they did say, though, um, and this was the point that Barber made last night, was if you turn it the other way around and you said that Foley had stood his ground as defender and the other guy had run and jumped and then kind of fallen over Foley, you know, what do you say then? You know, do you say... And, and fallen on his... on his uh, Yeah. You know, what do you say in that situation? Which is what the Reds try to get a penalty against. Was that against the Highlanders at Suncourt when uh, one of their players, Sokolago or someone, jumped in the air and went arse over, tit, uh, over his own player? And the Reds try to get a penalty against the Highlanders for taking their own man out. I do remember that. He said, who's his own player? I can't penalise him for that. (laughs) Yeah, that was funny, that. Um, Okay, well, look, so there there you go. You guys, who half of you who disagree with us will be able to drop comments, um, you know, wherever you've picked this podcast up from, and we can carry it on there. It was a cracking game, that one, though. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you know, don't not one to, you know, try and draw you back to talk about the Waratahs. <laughs> it's worthy because it was a it was a great performance and 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 um you know, it'll be interesting to see. It's almost a turning point. You know, this is what I'd hope the Reds would do. They'd get away to overseas and it would really bring the team together. And they played well but didn't get the points, but you could really see sometimes touring is a great um antidote for for, you know, a, a team losing its way. Mm. Um and you saw that there at the Waratahs, and I just so, so many players are stepping up in that team. And who knows? They they might just uh, they might just keep the rebound going. And you know, I, I was really impressed with the likes of Will Skelton and Tom Robinson again, and and those guys. A really impressive performance. And you know, the 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 guts taken in that last minute try, the tight head scrum, massive moment. And then Hooper barraging over it was it was a huge effort. Oh, it it certainly was, and my God, that wasn't the fr- that wasn't the front row I thought was going to end up with that tight head either. Um, no, yeah, Tilson Tavo on at the same time. Um, look, it's an interesting one. It was a game that had me right on the edge of my seats, and I didn't know, and I didn't know if that was just um, me being too blue butted as you would um, probably accuse me of there, Reg. But it was good to hear that other people thought it was a cracker of a match as well. But where that puts Gibson is, you know, he's at four and four now, and actually. You know, um, Checker in his first year ended up eight and eight. Yeah, really. Um, but but as more than that was, I think Hugh or someone pointed it out that they're one and three at home and three and one away. Wow. Okay. So anyway, well, you know, maybe they can if they can come in with a wet sail, which is sort of what they did. I want to say as well in their championship winning season, wasn't it? Didn't they? Yep. End up stringing seven wins together or something to get them through to the semis. I mean, I don't. It's hard to think they can do that. I'm not still not convinced they've got the experience, um, probably especially in the pack, to do that. But um, anyway, it was one hell of a one hell of a game. There's an interesting one. There's, um, we're going to talk about sort of defence um, through, throughout. I think that's going to be a theme that's going to come up tonight because it's basically been largely shocking from the Australian teams of the last weekend. Um, and the Tars, um, so they made 132 tackles and missed 31. Um, that's a lot of tackles to miss in a game. The Stormers made 99 and only missed 17. But the Tars made 15 line breaks versus the Stormers 11. Yeah, right. So the Stormers only missed 17 tackles, but out of that, the Tars managed to make 15 line breaks, um, yeah. which was obviously what, what, what did the damage there. And the Tars only worked with 40% possession and territory, um, which you know is a bit new for them in their game plan. The, you know, over the last couple of years, they've just had to keep running around and around and around with the ball. Um, now, Timsy, I believe you saw a half of footy this weekend. Did this game come near? Was this the half? No. Okay. No, it wasn't. All right. <laughs> okay. So we'll, we'll move on. Um, yep. So the, the half of footy I think you might have seen is my next question. So yep. the, the loss of Karevi to the red. So, uh, Tim, you've been in the wilderness. You've come back. You've turned on the telly. 
And there's this... I didn't know who he was. Oh, geez, Timsy, can I just ask? No, I'm just kidding. I, 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 I didn't know. <laughs> no, I hope of half the half of footy you watched was the second half and not the first half of this game. No, I, I, I'm going to admit I turned it off in disgust. <laughs> that's, Could not that's, hold the ball. It was disgraceful. It was a terrible first half of rugby. I, I got cranky and I thought I'd stand out on that field because I wouldn't drop the ball. But uh, it's terrible. Well, welcome back to the Reds, mate. Uh, Thanks, man. To, to, to watching them. Um, so, well, in that case, uh, well, it, I just want to—I just want to know now. It was a purely time zone thing. <laughs> what, what's that? It, it just happened to be on at the right time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then, Reg, I'm going to have to get you to to ooze over Karevi and his loss. Is that can the Reds deal with it? Oh, mate, no, we can't. Um, well, not this game at least. We're playing the Crusaders next. But ah. it, it, the, the thing about Karevi, and it's, it, it's astounding, is, you know, I think for the last couple of years, ever since his emergence and probably the, the second and third year, we've all sort of tongue-in-cheek said, oh, the, the, the Reds' game plan is just give it to Karevi. What we showed in the first few games when we weren't giving it to Karevi um, and what we've shown since when we are giving it to Karevi is quite clearly that is the case. Mm. But... The opposition still can't handle it. And it was the same in this game. First half, Karevi barely touches the ball. I don't think Nabuli touched the ball in the first half quite legitimately. Karevi might have touched it a couple of times. Yeah, I didn't second, see them. Second half, he gets the ball and he tears them up. You know, his figures are, are sensational for half a game and Nabuli gets the ball and it, it's fantastic. But they know the game plan. They know Nabu- that uh, Karevi's going to do this stuff, mm. but they still can't hold him. I, th- I thought he was fantastic. And, and it's funny, people are talking about this combination with... Um, with Nabuli, which is so great, but you you go back and you know people were talking about his combination with Chris Kurandrani last year in the NRC, and then his combination with Junior Nolawifi this year in the, in the NRC, and then now it's Nabuli. Karevi just makes his wingers look good. Um, yeah. No doubting the, the abilities of those players, but wingers love playing with Karevi because he draws a defence, he can get an offload, um, and he just sparks a game from. He is a huge loss for the Reds. Um, you know, they've only won the two games, but the Crusaders, with, I can say that with Karevi in the team, they are a slight chance against the Crusaders, <laughs> a slight chance. Without him, uh, they are no hope in hell, and, and I, you know, it could be a, a very sound, sound loss. Yeah, no, those uh, the Crusaders are you know just bloody rock solid, aren't they at the moment? Um, unforgiving. Um, so that hasn't changed. No, no, right, okay. Um, <laughs> some things stay the same, don't they? <laughs> um, yeah, look, that yeah, Karevi, um, and he's playing so well. Uh, the poor guy going off. Uh, you know, actually, you know, he obviously knew he'd broken his hand. Knew he was going to be out for it. Well, who knew how for how long? It sounds like it's going to be maybe four weeks now, which might just get him back in time for a Wallabies match. Um, but you know, I think he knows he was at you know the top of his game, didn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. And he was, I think he was loving his footy. I mean, for whatever reasons, things changed in that break, whether it was the change of Aussie coaching, the time he spent with Camp Wallaby, but things changed. So what it means for the Reds now, uh, we're not too sure. There's a few options there. One seems potentially to move Carmichael Hunt in the centres and put Goromara at fullback. That seems the least likely. There's a chance you could move, as happened in the game, Ant Fainger out to 13 and start Duncan Peaua at 12, who's a really good young player who's really finding his game in clubland and looked pretty sharp this last couple of weeks. That's probably second most likely, but the, there's hope that Chris Fawaya Sortier um, will be back from injury this week, and he might just slip straight into 13. Now, he's a big, strong, looking player, but, geez, he's no Karevi, and he goes missing sometimes, and I don't think he likes playing centres, so... Uh, yeah, gosh, you know, good luck. Yeah, okay. Because I must admit that Lala Wiffy didn't fill me with confidence in that first half. Um, he didn't have a, yeah, I didn't think all round he had a great game. I thought, I like, yeah, Lala Wiffy's interesting. I was just thinking this the other day. Now, he obviously has had a couple of cracking NRCs, and the more mm. the, the last NRC went on, I thought, no, nah, you know, this guy's actually got more than just wheels. Mm. Um, his couple of appearances, I've been quite impressed. He, he, he you know... I, I almost think he was uh, let out, left out to dry by his teammates. Um, we were really off in that first half, and he tried a few things and didn't get much support. Mm. Maybe his option taking wasn't good. I, I hope he gets you know persevered with because I think he's got real talent and, and lightning speed, which would be great. Yeah, the half I saw, he was doing work. 
he was one of the few. So who was doing stuff exactly? Right. But yeah. no, one, no one was supporting him. Yeah, and he, he's got that rocket rod look about him, doesn't he? Yeah, 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 exactly. And sometimes that was good, and sometimes that was damn scary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, well, look, let's we're going to uh, turn attention to Canberra now and uh, have our weekly check. Oh, so not because it's budget day, no. Oh. <laughs> Well, well, of course, I'm feeling richer, aren't all of you guys? Apparently, yes, yes. Uh, who would know there's a deficit? Um, but <laughs> I'm going to um, turn now, and we're going to have our weekly check-in with uh, Blocker Dutton. Yeah, right there, right there. And joining us for our almost weekly update is uh, Chris Blocker Dutton from Canberra to give us the latest craziness going on down there, mate. What is the latest? Well, um, it seems like it's all over. I think my paid spot with Green and Gold Rugby is going to be over now, but um, <laughs> it's uh, it's all but done. Yesterday, Monday, was Michael Jones's last day in the office. He he walked out at 5 p.m. He signed a non-disclosure agreement, so he won't be speaking. Um, Bill Pulver came down today um, to meet with Brumby's chairman, Robert Kennedy, they say that the Brumbies are in a strong financial position and, and Michael Jones has left them in a, a good spot in that way. And now it's up to the organisation to try and find a way to move forward and, and move on from that. But the the problem is it's done so much damage over the past week to the players and to the fans when when um, Stephen Moore and Scott Fardy were dragged into it that it, it got pretty ugly towards the end. And, mate, what was that all about? Was that Jones trying to force a decision and, and get someone to do something by making it so ugly that... They had to do something. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know because it it came out at a time when he was in the negotiating room, knowing that he was going to take a deal. Had he had he got his price? So, um, I'm not. I'm not sure what the motives were behind that um, coming out. Were but what it did do is it drove a wedge in between any support that he had left and, and those who and and himself basically. So. There were some people who still believed that he was a man who could take the organisation forward, but when the players got brought into it, there was an email circulated around that mentioned Scott Fardy and Stephen Moore and some of their behaviour. Um, Rupert were aware of it. Um, the ARU was aware of it. Um, and that that was really the, the end there. Whether that was kind of a, a little bit of a grenade lobbed into the players' camp just before... He left, I'm not sure, but I don't think so because that, that's quite malicious and, and I, I don't think that would be the case because through this all, uh, I know Michael Jones has, has probably gone about it a strange way, but he, he really did want to see the Brumbies succeed. Um, so, and did we have any hints in anywhere publicly of what this behaviour was supposed to have been from these two guys who are, you know, real kind of elder statesmen of the club, mm. I would have thought? Yeah, I, I think I, I'm not entirely sure. That in the email, it detailed a couple of. Um, I, I think bullying was a word that was being thrown around, um, right. but no, no one's really sure of the behaviour. Rupert said that there's no basis for any investigation. The Brumbies have since said there is no investigation, um, and, and both the player, both players, and and everyone within the playing group say there's no basis, and and all allegations have been false against them. So. So they're in the clear at the moment. There'll be nothing further on that, and I'm not sure if we'll ever hear anything more about it, to be honest. Well, and that seems like a real pity because, it, it, like you said, it feels like it's kind of like a final nail in the coffin. When we started this out, if you remember, we ran that poll which said, you know, was he a loose unit mm. uh, or was he a loose unit with a gripe? Uh, with, yeah. a, with, a, with a fair vengeance and, and that he was actually like a whistleblower. Um, and uh, I think, you know, most people came out and said, no, there's, there feels like there's something there. And, and this late, last piece of behaviour kind of, I guess it's ammunition to those people saying, oh, this guy was always a loose cannon. So my concer- concern here is that, you know, are we just, has this just set things up for a lot of stuff to be swept under a carpet? Um, potentially, yeah. but But I don't think so in a way that... Yes, we will never know why the board stood down Michael Jones. Oh, when I say never, we'll eventually find out. It will eventually be made public in years to come, but but by then it will be irrelevant. Um, so we won't know the details of what action and, and why the board took their action against Michael Jones. And we won't know um, what Michael Jones, uh, I guess, um, did against the Brumbies. But this KPMG report, which has been at the centre of all of this and 
all the angst with the University of Canberra is is fair game still. That's that's still under a suppression order in the ACT Supreme Court. I believe that legal action um, is likely to still go ahead against all other parties involved, just not the Brumbies board anymore. Um, one day that that is still relevant and that will still come out and, and that's what has been the source of all this and, and the start of it all. Um, not too dissimilar to when other CEOs leave organisations, you don't hear too much about um, why they were sacked or things like that. But the things that Brumbies fans probably really want to know is about that KPMG report and I don't think it will be too long to until we find more out about that. So when do you think and how is that going to see the light of day? The, that also, it, it can't stay under a suppression order forever as I understand it. it. It's just, it just at the moment it's under a suppression order to protect those who who are named in it, um, and, but that could be challenged. That suppression order could be challenged in, in the next few weeks um, because it, it isn't, because it, yes, it is sensitive information, but there are grounds for it to be public information as well. Um, and so I, I think that will be probably the, the thing that comes out first will be the, the KPMG report and, and maybe people will look back, sit back and say, well, did Michael Jones have cause to to do all of this, was he doing the right thing? And, and maybe the answer will be yes, maybe it will be no, maybe the organisation will move on. Um, but I think that's the first thing that the Brumbies fans just want to know what's in that. And, mate, do you, is it going to be easy enough for you as a journo to get your hands on it? Like, are, are there copies of it kind of flying around the place? It's just the fact that no one can legally talk about it? Or are you going to have to, I don't know, um, file some sort of, um, um, you know, you know, some sort of motion to get hold of it. Yeah, potentially. That That is one avenue and, and one that has been looked at as well. But as I understand it, it's been um, quite quite widely circulated at the at the moment, um, but none, no information in it can be public. So um, if the suppression order is lifted and, and is eventually lifted, then it becomes fair game because it's on the public record in court filed as evidence. So... That will just be uh, an an application to to look at evidence of the case, but it's up to um, Justice Richard Rafshorgi whether he lifts that suppression or not. So I, I think people will be able to get their hands on on that relatively easily when um, when and if that suppression order gets lifted. And mate, I know it's unusual for you to be asked questions about actually people playing rugby um, <laughs> of, of, of late, but um, so yeah, another shocker. So, any clues? How's it all going so wrong? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, actually, because I went over to um, Queenstown and Invercargill with the Brumbies last week and, and watched them train every day, and, and the mood around the, the group was quite good, actually. And I, I, know, I know we say it was a shocker, um, but really in, in tough conditions down there in Invercargill, the rain started yeah. in the warm-up, and, and what they lost by, they... they had a try either side of half time on the Highlanders scored, um, and the Brumbies dominated the rest of the match. Really, I think um, I was looking at the stats that the the Brumbies analyst had, and it said that the Highlanders made 270 tackles to the to the Brumbies 70. So that's an indication of how much ball that the Brumbies actually had. Mm-hmm. It's it just seems like they're just missing an edge at the moment. You know, it, you you'd expect a team that has that much ball to be able to break the line so much, but. Um, I think it was probably a case of the Highlanders' defence was superb and, and the Brumbies' attack wasn't that good at all. So um, it, it's a matter of whether they can dig themselves out of that without Henry Spate, without Joe Tamani, um, you know, without the boot of Nick White and Jesse Mogg. Like the, those things, they, they're still trying to find answers to, I guess. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, look, I know you've got important things to go and do. You've got a game of indoor cricket. Um, I do. But, so I'm going to let you get off to that, mate, but I'm sure we're going to... Don't worry about your paid gig ending. Um, the, 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 the payments, the same amount you've been getting for each show, are going to keep coming into your bank account from us each week. Um, so we look forward to getting you back on again. So that's paying my indoor cricket fees, so that'll be fantastic. <laughs> Excellent, mate. <laughs> All right, good to have you on, and we'll speak again soon. Thanks. Right there, right there. So great to hear from Blocker, and um, that's not the last we're going to hear from him for sure. But look, just to turn our attention uh, away from the boardroom for a minute and just to 
the, the team obviously going down 23-10 there, um, as we were discussing. Um, I, we were just discussing off air there, uh, Reg, and you were saying, look, you watched the game, but you can't remember a whole lot of it. I, I did. I, I, like, I remember, because I was, you know, keen. It was a good afternoon of rugby. We had the, uh, the Rebels on earlier, and, and then the Waratahs backing into the Reds. But for the life of me, I can't remember <laughs> much of this game and what happened. And I'm just trying to review, renew my uh, memory by looking at the uh, some of the details. Well, mate, to give you some of the... I mean, the stats are just ridiculous. Like, the Brumbies had 75% territory and possession. Um, they made the Highlanders do something like, you know, just below 200 tackles. Um, they only had to complete, like, 50 tackles themselves, yet missed 12. Um it was just like one of those games, and yet the Highlanders just, you know, when they got half a sniff struck, um, you know, classic sort of Highlanders way of doing things. It's, um, you know, it's quite extreme, but I, I guess the bit for the Brumbies, I mean, I thought they looked sharper than they did um, the week before. Um, it's not all just, you know, um, moving to wide channels or one out running. Uh, but the thing that really killed them, and maybe we'll come back to this in another segment, is... Um, you know, three bizarre penalties from Sam Carter at the lineout, um, which was a real core part to their strategy, you know, is obviously to get to the corner and go for one of those lineout drives. Um, and when they couldn't do it, it all the wheels just fell off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do recall those being very curious. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, well, I think we've got to talk about it soon. It's a real conundrum for Australian rugby, that mm. lock position. Yes. But before we get to that then, just so just staying... Uh, with Canberra and the sort of the, the merry-go-rounds. I mean, actually, one of the things that comes for me out of these losses that the Brumbies have been having is that how much of it is the players and how much of it is actually some coaching decisions that are being made. Because so, there's some pretty extreme strategies that Bernie Larkin has been employing there as far as just kind of ball in hand. Um, so, and, and I think that just played right into the Highlanders. You know, they will love you to run at them all night and will just punish you for it. And so I kind of thought that was, you know, in the weather conditions they turned up in down wherever it was. Was it Forsyth Bar um, where they were playing? And it was, you know, the Highlanders were going to love that all night. So just going and we thought, you know, Bernie was going to be one of those coaches, and I'm sure he's he's not going to have to. He's probably going to be able to coach in Canberra for the next 40 years if he wants to. Um, so I guess he's a bit of a lock-in, but there's a little bit of a merry-go-round potentially in the other in some of the other teams at the moment. Um, you know, Reg, how how do you see it? I mean, um, obviously, theoretically, the Reds are currently recruiting, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And can I just talk about Larkin for a second? And mm. it's interesting because I, I don't know where he stands with Michael Jones uh, and what what Michael Jones' CEO, departing CEO, what his departure means and, and whether that keeps Larkin there. I think you'd think he will. You know, you talk about his coaching. This is where they really struggle, these rookie coaches. And, you know, Larkin's had a bit of coaching. Is when the team starts to the performances start to drop is is that experience and turning them back around and so on. So we're going to really see what Larkham's early credentials are and see how he can turn this Brumbies team around. Yeah. Um, but there's a couple of interesting points in there, though, mate, that you're touching yep. on, actually, which is... So Larkham is actually mid-negotiations, right? Yeah, that's for what his, I thought. For his own contract. And he said, oh, we'll wait till the whole CEO thing sorted out before we fix that up. And then he's come out, I think just the last day or so, and said, well, don't worry, I'll step in and do the player negotiations um, for the CEO, which is interesting. Mm. Um, clearly, he's a senior guy and he's respected. But, you know, I, I'd i be a bit worried there. Remember the whole thing when Link t- took on all these extra duties as, mm. the, as the Wallabies kind of coach? And I do get a bit worried when... You people start getting sucked into other things. I mean, you know, being a full-time coach of a of a of a Super Rugby franchise is, is enough on his plate. But um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I also wonder if you know the the mooted new CEO being Joe Roth. What you know, they're obviously old mates from Brumbies and Wallabies days. What sort of uh, what sort of relationship that forms out to be? Because you know, sometimes the CEO has to call the coach into line and, and they've got responsibilities. It's the, uh, be interesting to see how those good mates uh, get on there. Oh, mate. It wouldn't be the Brumbies if it wasn't thick as thick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, let, let's back talk about these coaching uh, machinations. Really interesting. So as far as we're aware, we'll put the Brumbies aside. Gibson, you think, has got a pretty, pretty settled and obviously McGahn down and Rebels is pretty good. So the two key ones are the Reds and the Force. All three key ones if you look at coach or head coaches at the Reds. It's really interesting 
there's no, I don't think there's any doubting that the Reds, there's been a, a change of, of playing style and confidence and all that sort of stuff. A couple of wins and a draw since the change in coaching there with Styles and O'Connor there as co-interim head coaches as we Well, saw. they haven't lost a... Sorry? They haven't lost a game. Yeah, they have. Oh, you said a couple of wins and a draw. I can't yeah, remember. They, they, lost, they lost two in South Africa. Oh, that doesn't yeah. count. Reds yeah. lost a game of those, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> in Australia, we we are still let to, yet to lose to a New Zealand team. That's and right. I, I reckon I've That's got the important part. Yeah. I, th- I reckon I've got three more days of being able to say that. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So look, the Reds have got to focus on appointing their new CEO. Um, who knows? It might be Michael Jones. Um, but uh, so that, they're going to get that over and done with. I've got a sneaking... Part of me thought they're going to break up Steels and O'Connor. They both want the head coaching role. One's not going to be happy um, without the other. There's also these insistent rumours that Laurie Fisher's coming back to the Reds that keeps being doing the rounds. I've actually heard on the weekend that Laurie's quite defiantly said, no, nope, that's not the case. Um, but if Laurie was to come back, Styles is the man to go, surely, because Laurie's our forwards coach and, and I don't think Styles is just going to stick around just to be a, a set-piece coach. Set piece coach. Does that mean O'Connor stays? We see. There's a force position to consider too. I think Foley's got another year in his contract, but surely every week is just another nail in the coffin at the moment for force. And we've seen with the Reds what a change of coach can do, even mid-season. It just, it's, it's a different voice as much as anything. So does one of O'Connor or Styles head up back to Perth? O'Connor or Styles are obviously there previously. I can't see him going back. What I think is going to happen, the Reds, I wouldn't be surprised if Styles and O'Connor stay on. Whether they can stay on their, in their same positions co-inter- as, sorry, as co-coaches will be really fascinating to see. Um, but I suspect they might remain, remain status quo there. So the question becomes, like the force, what do we want there? Who do we want back? We'd love to get Laurie Fisher back. If he's not coming back to Queensland, he's not going to go to the Brumbies. I doubt he's going to go to the force. Do we look for, a, I don't know, an overseas coach? That's, uh, what's his name? Um, Lancaster? Yeah. Um, is a name that keeps coming up. He's definitely visited Perth. He's admitted to that. Um, is that what we should be looking at, do you reckon, Matt? A, a, an overseas coach with no affiliation to Australia? Well, I, I don't I don't see why not, unless there's someone else who's going to put their hands up. So I know that, you know there are a couple of people who are kind of kicking around, but look, you know, what we've seen time and again is if you, know, you can pull a team up by its bootstraps, um, and even from the depths, uh, you know, we've seen... You know, Link did it. We've seen, uh, you know, Czech did it. Yep. Uh, you know, we saw, you know, down in uh, Canberra. Jake White, Jake White yeah. did it, right? Yep. But, you know, you notice... What They've all got some pedigree, though. Exactly, right? It's a heavy hitter. Yeah. Um, it's, you're not going to, you know, the promoting the junior um, or taking a guy who's, you know, only kind of just got there and had a shocker, which was kind of where Foley was, if we're honest. I mean, with yeah. Foley, I always felt... He gave this interview, I remember, when he became... Or when he was being sounded out as far as what was happening when Hickey went, he kind of went, oh, I'd, I'd kind of rather be assistant coach. Yeah, if right. That's all right. I don't know if you remember that, but um, it always stuck with me that I was like, well, he didn't sound like he was putting his hand up. It sounded kind of reluctant, and then he found himself in that role, and then he's ahead. I mean, look, I could be completely misrepresenting it. Maybe he, that was always his goal, but I don't know. It just never struck me that, you know, he really thought that he could be outside of a Fords coach. And, 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 you know, and geez, you look what they've done or what he hasn't done with the force. And that's my problem with the force. And it's not my problem with the players. And it's not my problem probably, obviously not with any of the fans or anything like that. It's just, um, you take two teams that are pretty no-name and, and, and relatively new. I don't know if you can say that about the force anymore. But, you know, the Rebels and the force... Um, and you, you look at what McGann's doing with the Rebels, and he's managing to get them to play. You know, it's not he doesn't have any real X Factor players there. Maybe a, a, um, apart from McMahon in the in the in the forwards, um, and he's managing to get them to play an all round game. Um, whereas you know you look at the force and you know it's a very lopsided game and when that doesn't work so when they start dropping off tackles like they did on the weekend and when the when the breakdown's not working for them it all just goes completely to shit um, and and so that that's where my problem is so where are they going to end up I think you know Lancaster wouldn't be a bad thing um, is he up there as heavy hitters well he's writ you know he's he's run like probably one of the biggest you know talent programs in the world which is the english one um with pl- with plenty of resources so obviously he's not going to have that at his disposal but he's got an idea of what 
it probably needs to look like. Um, and he's got that purview, like the size of an operation that he's worked in. So, and, you know, he actually did relatively damn well until we kicked their asses yeah. in the World Cup. I mean, they've got, they've got some pretty good results. They just, they just could have always been bridesmaid, but, you know, they, they kept, you know, they, I think they'd won four matches in the Six Nations for a number of years in, in a row. They'd beaten the All Blacks um, quite convincingly, one of those matches. So um, I think you could do a lot worse, but I think it's going to need to be, to your question, I think it's going to need to be somebody with, a, you know, who's, yeah, who's done a big job. Just yeah, walk but it's, in and dictate. Yeah, well, and I think I've said that before. It's been my, for all the reasons you said there, Matt, my learnings that I think, don't bother spending the big money on a on a you know overseas star marquee player or even you know stealing one from another province. Spend your money on a good coach. Get the coaching right first, and the rest will follow. Because coaching, I think, is one of the big things that has let us down. Mm. Timsey, and there's some quality overseas, isn't there? I mean, you know, I talk about Laurie Fisher, and we'd like those guys coming back, but there's there's others yep. overseas would want back, home. Hey? Yeah, absolutely. As I sit here and sip on my Japanese whiskey, I just can't help but think of Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Matt Taylor. Defence is a shocking, shocking part of Australian rugby at the moment, and that's where his strength is. So we could do a lot worse. And you talk Japanese whiskey appropriate too. You got your your great combinations. Because Jimmy Jimmy McKay, who's uh, Tatsy's offsider at the Reds as the attack coach, is right. signed with one of the Japanese clubs. I think the uh, Cabelco Steelers or something like that. So you know, yeah. there's talent over there that. You know, we'd love to get back in Australia. It's just giving them the opportunity. Are these guys going to come back for an assistant coaching role? But don't know. Yeah, we've done worse than uh, send a coach overseas for a bit of training and then bring them back and but, got some results out of it. But, you know, just being realistic, so which mega big balls coach, you know, with massive, you know, with proper track record? Because, I mean, we, you know, we say track record. Lancaster doesn't really. I mean, he's not won a World Cup. Um, he's not won some major thing and actually he kind of came up through the ranks at England. He hadn't like coached any major European team or anything like that. So who are we talking about? Like, you know, um, you know, it's like a, you know, like a, like a Smith out of New Zealand. Yeah. But but, 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 are you ever going to get them to Perth? Yeah, that's the, that's your challenge, isn't it? You've got to look east, I reckon. There's got to be coaches there, but you're right. How do you, how do you get them across to Perth? How do you sell them on that? You know, maybe now the ARU's taken over, they might they might be prepared to support that sort of level of coaching um, a bit more significantly with a bit more cash. But um, th- that's our biggest hurdle, getting me across there. Well, then you've got the has the has the ARU changed since I've been gone? Do they have cash now? Um, probably more than the force do. They've got right, yeah, that's fair. Well, they did for about ten minutes, Timsey. Right, okay. And then, and then all the Super Rugby teams said, well, actually, <laughs> we've all got massive debts that we hadn't told you about. Right. And then it, all was, gone, it was all gone again. Um, and it was actually, <laughs> for those 10 minutes, the AOU had this five-year plan that had lots of money against it. <laughs> and, and, and then it just disappeared. Boom, it was gone. Um, anyway, so, okay, so that's the coaching conundrum. I must, just to add to your thing there, um, Reg, I don't know if you're kind of, you know, keeping back some information or not. I just think, um, you know, that whole O'Connor Stylesy thing, my read on that, and it was not through you, but through elsewhere, was that, um, you know, they were those two, well, at least O'Connor was ready for the job when Graham got reappointed at the end of last year. Um, that's why he was there and he wasn't there to be an assistant coach. And actually I'm guessing they had to pull some pretty interesting, um, strings, um, to keep him there. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. I think they both want the head coach and I think they're both pretty strong willed guys, um, who would only be pretty satisfied with the head coaching role. So it'd take a monstrous effort to, to negotiate them both being co-coaches. So yeah, at least one of them has to go. Yeah, yeah, but who do we want? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, who's I coaching? Who's who's really doing the coaching now? Well, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I'd say the forwards, Stalsy. Yeah. Um, but then, you, then we need a good skills and backs coach. Mm-hmm. So, interesting times ahead um, at, at Queensland by the, si- by the sounds of things. Um, but look... You did a perfect segue, which I couldn't pick up on there, Timsey. So thanks for that, mate. Thanks thanks for coming back on. But one of the things that we were going to talk about was just, look, on the weekend, what was really, really clear was, um, apart from the Reds, 
who were pretty much the only guys who had a uh, convincing win there over the cheaters. Our defence all round was um, comparatively shit. So I've talked about the Tars and um, how many tackles they managed to miss, but it must have been in the nature of those tackles and in their cover defence that they managed to limit the impact of that on the game. But if you went through the other teams, I mean... Um, the force, uh, they only had to make 80 tackles and missed 18, whereas yeah. the Bulls only missed nine from 126. Um, the Rebels had missed 18 tackles before half time, um, and some of them were just ridiculous. Um, so, and I, yeah, I haven't got the end tally on the tackles there, but. Too many, too many numbers. Did, did you have to say that? They're, 27 according to the Sands uh, site, so they tightened up in that second half. But, you know, against the Blues, that was a chance for the Rebels, and we talked about that last week, I think. You know, this is their chance over there, sure, it's Eden Park, but against the Blues, that's the game they should be winning. That's They let themselves down big time. Oh, there was some, you know, junior... I mean, I know you've got some more guys playing rugby, Reg, and there were some of those tries that, you know, kind of when, when a big kid runs through yeah. eight little kids, it was kind of like that. Um, yeah. so there was some bizarre stuff that happened. Um, so, like I said, the Reds did uh, relatively well. They only lost, uh, missed seven on um, out of 71 versus the Cheetahs, 16 out of 79. Um, but the Brumbies, so the, cl- the clan made 187 tackles and missed 13. The Brumbies only made 52 and missed 12. Yeah, terrible. Um, what the so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was um, it's just kind of shocking all around. You just got to ask what the, what's going on uh, with with the tackling. And so it goes back to your thing there, um, Timsy. You know, do we need to get Tatsy? Get him on a get him on a road show. Yeah, do that. He can uh, he can consult. Mm. He's been sharing his load between uh, Glasgow and Scotland. So, well, you could be his minder on that tour. Yeah, I'll look after him. No worries. Uh, I know I know one guy who would enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> Just you, Timsy. Yeah, 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 probably. <laughs> um, I'd give it all I've got, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you'd, you'd take a bullet. I'd have you as my my yeah. my, my bodyguard, Timsy, any day. Yeah, no worries, man. Um, okay, so any look, so that's that's a bit of a bit of a, a shocker. Um, let's keep an eye on that though as the weeks go on, and hopefully we see that get a bit better. Hopefully the trend reverses. Mm. But look, the final point we were going to talk about tonight then um, was going to be lock talk. Now, when we were just talking about the questions beforehand, I, th- I just assumed we were going to get into halfback because I've got a, got a nice rant prepared about that. <laughs> um, and so I'm going to have to hold that one for, for the next couple of weeks. Um, but instead, I think you might have a bit of a, a, a rant prepared or a tale of intrigue prepared here, Reg, on locks. So... You know, talk us through the conundrum, which is who should be the Australian locking, the Wallaby locking pair as of now. Yeah, mate, I, I, it's just a really tough one. I think we've said for a little while that we think um, Sharpie. Uh, <laughs> we think Sharpie. Uh, we he, think he's got enough caps to come back, hasn't he? Or, I mean, yeah, he, he meets the criteria. The, the sharp. Yeah. If you're retired, yeah. as long as you've got 130 caps, you can keep coming back. That's right. Um, well, look, we think Jack has gone out. Yeah, stick with the status quo, the the incumbent team as much as possible, which was Simmons, obviously, and Kane Douglas. And what worked there is is they were just a great unit in terms of what they both offered. You know, Simmons, we know Simmons is a, a line out forward, uh, you know, pretty hard worker, but you know he's really there for his line out and and, and a little bit of ruggedness around the field. And he, he really contributed a lot to that World Cup. But Kane Douglas was the mongrel. You know, he was the muscle man there and, and made a real impact, great work rate, um, real physical nature to his game. But he's not here. Where does it leave us now? Because we've got some good locks. There's some decent depth out there. You know, um, uh, the, uh, the Brumbies have... Uh, uh, Carter and um, Arnold. Uh, mm. The force have uh, Adam Coleman, who's you know leading. I think he's leading the competition in terms of line out takes. Um, the Rebels have Jones and Tamani, who's playing very well. The Waratahs have Skelton, um, Mum to a degree. Uh, who started for them on the weekend? Who's their other lock from on the weekend? Regardless, where did Dennis, where did Dennis play? Oh, you got they got Lousy as well. Yes, yeah, yep. as a as a reserve there. But you're yep. right. I'm trying to think through who the other lock was. So it must yep. have been Mum and Skelton. 
Yeah, and then um, and the Reds have got obviously got Simmons, but with Ben Matchwell just recently replacing Neville. Now Neville would have been my man. I, I thought he, you know, started the season really mm. well. He's a great athlete. He's a good runner. Makes a really good impact um, on the field. Now he's been benched the last couple of weeks. I think it's around his looseness to the games. He's good to finish the game. He makes a bit of an impact, but he's he's turned over a fair bit. And if you look at his, your turnover stats, he's he's quite up there for the Reds. And I think he's just a bit of a loose few loose carries. And Matchwell's actually got an awesome work rate. So your top lock, Sam Carter comes in. He just to me just seems too much like Simo. You know, it doesn't provide that point of difference. Adam yeah, Coleman's they're the very similar players. Yeah, they are. And Adam Coleman's pretty similar. Coleman's got a bit more meat to his bones, perhaps a bit more physicality. Um, but he's he's a line-out man. You know, that's his gig. He's, what, 204? Um, he's another semi. Um, so who are your other options, realistically? Uh, Arnold, 208, whatever. Another big line-out man without the real great physicality. Skelton has had a struggle season. I actually thought versus the Stormers, he was actually getting back to his better game. I thought he was pretty involved, nice impacts around the field. And if he can continue that over the next four or five weeks, he might be the man that, that you know, sneaks into that, that Wallaby jersey, or at least onto the bench. Luke Jones, Tamani's another one playing well. And, you know, he's, his work rate's something that's really impressed me. His, his impact is great, but his work rate's there too. So, mate, I'm, it's the one position I'm pretty flummoxed in. You know, Simo's there, but... Who do you pair him with? I don't know if you can pair him with a, a like-for-like. Um, we need a bit more of a workhorse or an impact player to, in that other lock position. I, I can't work out who it's going to be. Yeah, well, I mean, the one thing that um, Carter has made a name for himself is just yeah. blunders the last two games. I mean, yeah. it's an absolute shocker. Um, you know, this last game on the weekend with those three penalties that he gave away in the lineouts, And I can understand that he got picked up for something that, you know, most locks get away with, you know, in every bloody line out and the ref just picked him and then he picked him twice more. But, you know, once you've been done once, you really should have learned from it twice. Yeah, third time, for God's sake. Um, and then the, in the week before that, it was just dumb, straight cold knock-ons. Um, and they always seem to be in the, red, the opposition's red zone. Um, so anyway, he's just had a couple of shockers. Uh, you know, that might just be uh, misrepresentative of his game. I mean, I think the thing with Czech, though, is that he likes what he knows. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I tend to think that even while Skelton is not definitely not at the top of his game and is maybe coming a bit back, but I also think, look, you know, Dean Mum seems to have Mark Chisholm's hands. I mean, he, he, he can't keep hold of the ball either. But, you know, I think uh, Czech's got a soft spot for him, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him around the camp. Um, and I think the same um, with oh the the tar captain um, Dennis. Yeah, Dave Dennis. I think you know I wouldn't be surprised to see him around as well. Um, you're right though; it would be good to see one, some of that tall timber in um, Arnold and the uh, chap out. Coleman. Yeah, Coleman. Coleman yeah. But I, I, I'm sure I've seen plenty of games that they're in. I just can't remember seeing them. <laughs> This probably means they're working. If they're locked. Well, maybe I don't know. Uh, I, I, I think yeah, Skelton's probably the way it's going to go. You've got you've got um, you've got coaches like you remember the yeah when Henry was coaching for the All Blacks, the the players didn't look that great during the year, but they get in the, they get in the camp, and next thing you know, they were yeah punching above their weight. I think that uh, if someone's going to get the best out of Skelton or something like that, we're going to check is going to do it. You've also got the fact that. Uh, England bringing many jumpers? Is, is that something we ne- really need to be too concerned about? Oh, they're, they're always stacked full of them. They always, they, they, they have like, it's like they don't have, they don't not have any jumpers, you see what I mean? Oh, Probably yeah. the props. I mean, literally their whole back five can jump. Okay. Oh, well, fuck then. Apart, apart from maybe, <laughs> apart from maybe Vin Polo. Um, look, I, I can't see Mum or Dennis there. I, I, I really, well, I'd be devastated. I don't think Mum should have made the World Cup team, as you all well know, but I, I, I can't see a reason for picking him for this. I, I, I totally understand what you're saying, and I agree with it. That, And I think I said it last week, that Checker will pick the players he knows he can get the best out of, mm-hmm. and I think that will help Skelton there. But, God, I can only think we're going to have to break someone new in there, and I, I don't know who it is. We're going to see a new lock. I'd suggest, and it, whether it's Coleman, Jones, Tamani. Mate, Tom Staniforth is playing damn well for the Brumbies, but he's too raw probably for this. But, mm. yeah, we're going to see some new blood there. I, I, I'm still just don't have my head around who it's going to be. 
no, well, I'm, I'm, I'm there with you on that one. So if you're listening and you think you've got a better idea, you know, one of the things that'd be nice is being able to find somewhere where you could do some solid stats comparison. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a schmozzle at the moment. Um, I went on the Fox Sports site and uh, found Rory Arnold's profile. It's empty. Um, so it was kind of like okay well that's kind of over before it began Um, I've got a great app that's in front of me I won't give it a free plug and it's a really awesome app for following scores and all the the rest of it and team stats as soon as you get to player stats it just goes to crap the Um, Sansa site's not too bad for comparing players but it still lacks it's all very generic so you know I don't care about clean breaks and defenders beating for my locks you know I want to know a bit more about the ruck and more involvement and and, and turnovers all that sort of stuff and you, you just don't get that well, and be able to say, look, just show me all the locks. Yeah, exactly. Like, show me all the locks and put them against their parameters. Um, you used to be able to do that in some of the fantasy teams. I don't know. You, either of you, I mean, you won't be Timsy, but, you know, <laughs> Reg. <laughs> fa- fantasy was hard when you was actually interested and in watching lots of games. So it's a big... I do the fantasy rugby draft, and I only get to look at my team probably once every two or three weeks. I just I can't keep up with it. No, I had to give that away as well. But some of those fantasy programs used to... Have yeah, they used to be good. Good, good comparisons. Um, anyway, I don't know if they still do it though. I think the stats is it's become such a business now. Um, mm. There's not many people giving it away for free. But anyway, look, if maybe um, look, it'd be great if someone's listening and this has put a bee in their bonnet and they want to do some sort of analysis. They can find somewhere they can get some numbers together. There's a guest post waiting for you, yeah. or or you can come on the next podcast and talk us through, um, yep. you know, why and your lock pair is incontrovertible. Um, so yeah, so, so, but that's the end of that one. Okay. Well, look, getting towards the end and look, looking ahead at this weekend though. So looking ahead at round 11, but I want to say what matches stick out to you guys. What's your humdinger that you think I've just got to watch and Timsy, you know, you can go on, you know, decades of performance data here because you haven't really been watching this season. So, um, you know, looking down that list, historical clashes, if you get, if there's only one match you could watch, what would it be? Uh, I'm going to say Chiefs Highlanders. Yeah. It's the obvious one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know it's going to be a ding-dong, don't you? No matter what, it's going to be a good game. Um, and uh, some, and t- tackling optional, as usual, in those matches. Yeah, yeah. But that that's the Australian rugby way, as we've discussed. <laughs> they adopted against each other, but just not against each other. <laughs> uh, Cheetahs looks good. I think the uh, Crusaders Reds, foregone. Mm-hmm. I, love, I love the concept of the Sunwolves Force game. Yeah, you know, yeah, I love those. But, you know, just because you don't know what you're going to get, you know, <laughs> it, it could be anything. And I do love those afternoon uh, kickoffs. I assume that I don't know what time that kickoff is. I assume it's a three o'clock kickoff yep. Saturday afternoon. So yep. you know, that'll be an interesting one. Okay. Well, look, yeah, I mean, you run through those, but I tell you, the other one, you know, the uh, the I thought the Bulls, were, you know, they looked pretty handy the other night. Yep. Um, the, you know, a bunch of young meat eaters. Um, running around there with vigor. Um, so, you know, and the Brumbies, by God, they've got a point to prove. Um, so, look, you know, just for, so that you don't have to get off your ass and go and see when are these matches actually on. But we've got, um, you know, Friday kicks off the Reds versus the Crusaders. That's a good one to get down the pub. Actually, I think I'll be down the pub for the kickoff, just keeping that quietly to myself. Um, and then you've got, then straight after that, you've got the Brumbies hosting the Bulls. Then Saturday afternoon, 3 o'clock, is when you've got the Sunwolves um, pinging on with the Western Force. <laughs> um, then that one can even go to shit because you've got following up that at 5 o'clock, you've got the Chiefs and the Highlanders, so that is going to be popcorn. Then you go into the Waratahs Chiefs. This is fantastic, actually. It is good, it, isn't it? It unfolds. Um, and then uh, 11 p.m., jeez, if you're still standing, you've got the Sharks. Um, hosting the Hurricanes, that could be a doozy as well. Um, and then one one ten in the my God, you could just keep going. Um, one ten in the morning, you got the Kings hosting the Blues, and well, anything could happen there, but it's going to end up with the Kings losing. Um, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. Um, so that's one hell of a weekend of of sport there. Um, and that's about it, really. Thanks for coming on, Reg. Yeah, my pleasure, mate. Thanks for uh, taking up the host. No, all right, you, you you warmed up as we got we went on. I thought that, yeah, that no. was good. Thanks, and uh, Timsy, mate, it was good to have you. It was all right. Yeah, yeah. look, you know, if, if you watched a game or two, you could, you know, you could probably get yourself back on the on the front on the bench. On the bench, add a little value, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, it's, good, it's good to be back. Maybe, maybe I'll uh, I'll watch a couple of games. There's a, there's a couple there that look interesting. 
No. Jeez, Timsy, I can't believe I recommended you to that Japanese media crew to talk all things Australian rugby. I had no clue, Earlier this year. (laughs) (laughs) I I haven't seen the footage. I'm assuming it got cut. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, look, we'll definitely have you back on. And thanks for everybody else for um, tuning in as well. Um, And uh, keep those reviews coming. Actually, I remember there are a couple of cracking reviews in there, and um, I'll have to, we'll we'll go through them uh, next week. But, you know, thanks for letting us come in your ears, and see you next week. Seven left!